Hello, football fans. Thanks for joining our NFL Week 4 preview show. Football saw a profitable weekend for the team, which we'll reveal on Friday's live show. But today, Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and special guest Clef TA will go over their key takeaways of Week 3 of NFL. The risers and fallers and talk about some of the best lines coming into Week 4. Stay tuned until they end when they give their predictions into the Thursday night football game between the Jaguars and Bengals. Hey everybody, welcome to the BetUS NFL Show. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by expert football handicappers Las Vegas Chris on your left and TA on your right if you're watching us on YouTube. That's right, no Scott Kellen today, but I think we're all in for a real treat having TA on board. And you can find Chris on Twitter at Las Vegas Chris, that's C-R-I-S, TA at Cleve TA, C-L-E-V-T-A, and myself at MLandis18. And Chris, we know Scott's vacationing in Cabo right now. He's scheduled to be back with us for the Friday show, but you're a little bit afraid that he might get the Wally Pip treatment with TA stepping in today. Yeah, it's a shame. He may he may be the Wally Pip of the media. And uh, for those that can't remember Wally Pip, he's the guy that sat out uh, uh, when Lou Gehrig started his uh, infamous long streak of games consecutively played. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Thanks for the uh, the uh, the pressure here, calling me Lou Gehrig. Uh, you know, no pressure at all filling in. I, I'm sure he'll be just fine. I'm sure he's enjoying himself. But I uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and I uh, can't believe it's already week four. Feels like the season just kicked off yesterday, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, this like is, you said, this is this is my favorite week of the year because this is the first week of metrics where they actually mean something. So it's. Uh, I'm a chicken with my head cut off today. I've had to go back into previous years to double check some things that stand out. And uh, um, it, it's like it, today is like the opening season for me, quite frankly, because it's kind of kind of difficult to make it through those first three weeks. But we did it. Yeah. And on that note, on today's show, we're going to go ahead and recap week three, mainly with an eye on what we can apply moving forward. We'll also go ahead and start to preview week four right here at BetUS where the game begins. And we'd like to make this a Q&A with you, the audience. So if you're watching us on YouTube right now, go ahead and jump in that chat, ask us anything, and let's have some fun. One more thing before we kick things off, make sure to sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. And for more information, go ahead and check out the link below this video. All right, guys, let's dive into week three. Again, starting with some bets from last week and digging into what we can apply moving forward. And our biggest consensus play of the week came home. That was a teaser that all three of us from Friday show were on. The Cardinals over the Jaguars and the Browns over the Bears. My thought watching those games was, man, if only we could tease against the current form of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields every week, this whole thing might feel a whole lot easier. Uh, that said, we might get another opportunity to tease against Trevor Lawrence this week, so stay tuned for more on that at the end of the show. But TA, I'd like to kick it over to you because while you weren't on the same teaser last week, you were still really impressed by what you saw from the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, so last week would have been a perfect opportunity for them to lay an egg, right? They had two big wins to start the season, uh, go all the way across the country at 1 o'clock uh, in Jacksonville, you know, over a touchdown favorite kind of the world expecting them to blow out Jacksonville and 
you know, DeAndre Hopkins is injured. And so that would have been a perfect opportunity to lay down. And they they came to play. I mean, obviously it was a little bit rough early down at halftime with, after that uh, missed field goal opportunity and uh, and return for a touchdown. But, you know, they regrouped and they ended up, you know, winning by 12 points. And so, you know, I, I was impressed by how they were able to kind of stand up to that, uh, you know, potential letdown opportunity and win that game, especially with, you know, the Rams coming up on deck, a division rival. And I'm, I've been really impressed with their defense, to be honest. I mean, I didn't expect them to really, um, you know, become a top 10 unit, which they are right now. So I think having guys like J.J. Watt uh, on that defense, along with Chandler Jones, has really helped stabilize things. And so for me, you know, I, I wasn't a believer after week one, necessarily. I, I faded them week two and took the Vikings, ended up winning that one. But, you know, I think between the, the offense that's kind of humming along, uh, the defense is playing well. I think they're, they've truly become a real contender in the NFC. So for me, they've kind of risen in my head in terms of, uh, you know, perspective and, and how I view them going forward. Yeah, and Chris, I know that teasing road teams, not necessarily a typical part of your MO. So what were you thinking after the kick six put the Jags ahead a decent bit into that game? Well, as T.A. mentioned, uh, you know, what a spot. Uh, it was. A, it not only was a, a letdown spot, but uh, it was a look-ahead spot for the Rams game this weekend. So uh, it, it was looking a little dicey, and I was disappointed to see them, you know, struggle initially. So, uh, but you know what? Good teams come back, and they face the adversity, and they overcome, and uh I have a feeling that they didn't put out their their best effort for the entire game, but I think they demonstrated that uh, they have enough to contend with. And boy, that's going to be a hell of a game with the Rams this week because the Rams are in a letdown spot uh, coming up. So uh, I'm excited about that game this week. Yeah, yeah another I mean, NFC. Oh, go ahead, CA. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think a year ago they, they lose that game. Uh, at least they don't cover. They lose that game. They, they had a bunch of duds last year. And I, I'm not a huge believer in Cliff Kingsbury. You know, that is a game that they lose. So the fact that they won it and covered, you know, no matter how they did it, uh, to me, that's that was a, a nice check mark uh, in their box uh, early in the season. So that, that's why I was impressed with them. Yeah, they, but you know, but they they had the exact uh, similar situation last year when they went and played the Jets. And I remember laying the seven instead of teasing them and and just like thinking to myself, you really can't do this. But and they actually covered. So uh, and, and it wasn't a huge sweat job. But uh, uh, so they're used to that trip. They're used to that trip. Yeah, so things looking up for Arizona, and you guys touched on that big matchup coming up with the Rams this weekend. Another NFC West showdown on tap. Chris, it involves a team that you and I uh, had to sweat a bit, but we got home with an over, and that would be the 49ers hosting the Packers on Sunday night. We took the game to go over 50 on Friday's show, and I kind of felt like our hopes for that over almost were over pretty early in that game. I mean, there was a big second quarter sequence where the Packers missed a fourth and one from the 49ers three-yard line, and I thought LeFleur called a pretty curious play call with a low percentage pass, and we saw things go from a likely touchdown for the Packers to the Niners being pinned deep. And then the very next drive, the Niners had the ball, fourth and one at midfield, down double digits, and Shanahan decided to punt to pin the Packers deep, so it just felt like the over wasn't in the cards for us, but that made hitting it in the final minute of the game feel especially sweet. Of course, the Niners secondary came into that one shorthanded. That was part of our handicap. And they had two more injuries we'll want to monitor. So that could be, uh, you know, not the last shootout for the Niners this season. But what was your read on this game as it played out again with, you know, quite a roller coaster ride getting that total home? Yeah, I thought it was a loser, unfortunately. And uh, I started off the day 0-2 and I, I won the... Uh... 
um, the Miami miracle, uh, so to speak. So I really needed that to break even for the day. And I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't look good. And uh, fortunately, you know, uh, what, what I mentioned, I'm going to be wrong a hell of a lot of times. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I accidentally started the YouTube video and it, uh, you know, it started playing that video. And, and it said exactly, neither of these teams can stop each other. They're not going to stop each other. It's just going to be up and down the field. So uh, at least in that case, I was right. So, uh, but it was a sweat job. You know, yeah, I didn't. It was, it was, sorry, ahead. I wasn't on that side, but I, you know, I will say I was impressed by Green Bay. Um, you know, they did have an injury on the right side of their line with, with Jenkins. And I thought that could have been an issue, you know, against Bosa and that defensive line. But they only pressured Aaron Rodgers five times the entire night. He got the ball out quick and he was accurate. And I, I, I was really impressed by them. So I, I thought that the Niners would be able to put up points just because I think that Green Bay defense is not really um, anything to, to write home about. And um, with uh, Zadaria Smith out, I didn't think they'd be able to put pressure. But, um, you know, I was really, I think, from a Packer perspective, it was good to see them be able to put up points against a, a pretty good Niners defense and to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. That was their issue in the first game against New Orleans, you know, the, the, the new offensive line. Um, wasn't cohesive, but they did a nice job. So I think that was a really nice uh, win for them. And, you know, they're they're able to put up points in that spot. I think they could do it pretty much any any week of the season. Yeah, and it, it, it was a little disconcerting to see. I, I had expected San Francisco to have more success early on. It took mm-hmm. them a while. And, and realistically, Green Bay's defense isn't that good. They should have been able to do better earlier, in my opinion. So that that's what was concerning. So... We're just going to have to see going forward. They've got a tough game against a uh, desperate Seattle this week. Yeah, a lot to look out for in the NFC West with two big showdowns this Sunday. Uh, we'll touch on some week four lines we're going to keep an eye on over the next few days. But first, we're going to talk about some teams that we have on the move. And these are teams either getting a big upgrade or a big downgrade. And starting with our risers, uh, Chris, I know that the Vikings are a team that you nominated here, and they're just a couple plays from being unbeaten, and we finally saw them break into the win column after two tough losses to start the season. Well, I, I it really concerns me when Cook doesn't play for Minnesota. So I, I, I've, I think we've seen too many times where he's been the heart and soul of that team, and when he's not in, boy, they, they really don't play well. But uh, – they they came out of that really strong. Seattle really wasn't in the game at all. And Cousins had another monster game. And uh, things went so well that uh, uh, usually grumpy Zimmer uh, about Cousins actually complimented him after the game. So uh, let's see what goes on from here. But uh, they could have been 3-0. They're 1-2. And... and uh, they've got a lot. They've, they, there is still enough to be optimistic about with that team for the season. And they're going to have to make it by this week, though. They've got a tough game. Yeah, and I think... think, uh, Go for it, T.A. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in this division where it looks like Detroit Chicago could be four, kind of four guaranteed wins, getting a win this week against the Browns would be, you know, enormous for their playoff hopes. Um, You know, I still think they've got an issue on defense. You know, they're 30th in adjusted line yards on defense. They're getting pushed around. Can't stop the run. They're 25th in explosive pass rate allowed. So you you can score on this team, but they've got the weapons on the outside on offense. They've got Dalvin Cook even. Obviously, we saw Madison last week fill in. Like, they're going to be able to put up points um, against anybody. So 
Yeah, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, and uh, this could be another one this week because I'm not sure the Browns defense uh, will be able to hold them down. But uh, they're definitely – that's kind of who they are. Like, I, I was not a believer in them to make the playoffs. I know they were kind of a, um, a darling among some of the Sharps before the season. I, I just thought that they had, um, you know, a few too many question marks along the offensive line. Um, I know the offense, you know, all those weapons and Kirk Cousins, they, they literally didn't miss a game last year. So I thought there'd be a little bit of a um, injury regression. We're seeing some of that with Delvin Cook, but they've got fill-ins, it looks like. So, you know, they've done a good job, and this is kind of who they are. There's going to be a lot of coin flip games with them. So um, they're going to be exciting and uh, should be interesting this week against the Browns. Yeah, I actually, on my uh, uh, the way I, I rate the teams, I actually have Minnesota, the number one offensive team so far this year. So I don't know how that stacks up to uh, mainstream uh, ratings, but uh, I have them just ahead of Kansas City. I think I think what's good about them is their balance. I mean, they can they can run. And the thing about their running game, and although like I personally am kind of part of the the new age analytics crew that you know I don't like running the football necessarily, but they're so explosive with Dalvin Cook and with Madison. Like you make up some of that with some of the explosive plays. If you've got that, it's kind of how the Browns are with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I mean, it's one thing to get four or five yards at a time. It's those big explosive plays that you really need to make up for that. Um, and that's what they get. And Kirk Cousins playing well. And when he has a clean pocket, that guy is good, as good as anybody, honestly. When he's not getting pressured, he can, he can you know, uh, get it to his receivers. Um, and so, yeah, if, you, if he's in a game state like he did, was against Seattle, where Seattle doesn't put pressure on the quarterback, he's going he's gonna to perform. Uh, but when he's in a tight, tight, tight spot and his offensive line isn't protecting him, that's where things kind of fall apart. So if he's in those kind of in that environment, I think he could definitely put up points. And I think, you know, Minnesota's offense definitely is clearly top three to five in the NFL for sure. Yeah, well, I think we have a question that came in through the chat that relates to this. Uh, maybe something we can use as a more effective comment to uh, bridge the gap to our next team coming up here but from Barry Warner. Has there been a better trade than Diggs to the Bills and the Vikings getting Jefferson with the pick? So that was a, a pretty fruitful deal for both teams. Um, I think we've said a lot of good things about the uh, Vikings here, and now we can move on to T.A., your team on the rise, the aforementioned Buffalo Bills, and we finally saw Josh Allen in his 2020 form for the first time this season. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, all the the – all the talk about the demise of Josh Allen and going back to his rookie year and not being accurate, you know, that kind of was squashed last week. He totally shredded this, I guess, overrated Washington defense, but, you know, over 13 completion percentage over expected rate. I mean, one of the highest in, uh, of the NFL this week. Um, he really, really uh, performed well. All the third down conversions, like he was doing whatever he wanted against that defense. And so, you know, he, he was able to bounce back. I mean, he had a couple of poor performances and it seems like that uh, opener against Pittsburgh was a little bit of a, um, you know, anomaly. I think that, that they're kind of back on offense. Emmanuel Sanders gives them another legitimate weapon uh, at receiver. And, you know, the defense is playing. The reason I'm, I'm putting them in my risers, because we know the offense, you know, kind of uh, is what they are. It's the defense. Like, I wasn't sure if this was going to be one, uh, you know, one of the better units, at least a top half unit. And, I mean, they're number two in, in the NFL in uh, EPA on defense. Uh, an advanced metric that I look at, you know, they're they're putting the shackles on teams. And except for one long, you know, uh, screen pass to Antonio Gibson last week, I mean, Washington was not able to do anything, put pressure on Tyler Haneke. And so I was impressed with them. And, you know, I think if uh, some of those younger pass rushers like Gregory Rousseau, um, you know, can really step up, 
I think they've got a, a makings of a top 10 unit, both offensively and defensively. And like, who are, aren't they the, the top? I haven't looked, Chris, maybe, you know, are they the favorite now in the AFC or is it still Kansas city to, to make the Super Bowl? I mean, I think they, they, in my mind, like they vaulted Kansas city, um, just how they're playing and just the, the overall team kind of both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, because yeah the stock on Kansas City is definitely down and uh like you mentioned I have Buffalo's the number one defense right now but uh you know they did start off against two weak offenses so it's kind of a asterisk you know there's an asterisk with it but uh nevertheless uh they've been impressive and I've kind of busted Josh Allen's chops a little bit uh hey show me this year show me you know in front of fans that you can do it and he certainly did they had a great job and uh uh, they look like uh, they're going to meet the expectations at this point. Uh, uh, they had a great, great game. Yeah, well, I think we'll have more to say on this game in a bit when we get to the Bills opponent from last Sunday. But first, we do have one more team on the rise. And it's hard not to mention this team when we're talking about teams moving up, the L.A. Rams. And I'm willing to be the first to own being wrong about how I saw their defense matching up with Tampa Bay this past Sunday. And to me, what was really impressive isn't just the score or that the Rams, you know, flat out won the game. But once they got a big lead, they never breathed life back into the Bucks. I was amazed to see that they only committed one penalty for four yards, no turnovers. Chris, that's a sexy box score if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it, it was shocking to see uh, how easily uh, they dispensed with uh, Tampa Bay. It, it, Tom was crippled without Gronk for some reason, uh, which was kind of surprising. Maybe they were looking uh, ahead to this week. Uh, apparently, they play again this week against some team. <laughs> so, uh, But it, it's impressive that the Rams are staying healthy because that's very important. They don't have the depth. And... Uh, and Stafford is adjusting. He needed to get a big win under his belt because he spent his whole career uh, losing against, uh, you know, 500-plus teams. So uh, everything's uh, coming up roses for the Rams. Let's see uh, if they show up again for a second week in a row. Yeah, and T.A., I know that you had an angle in this one as well, and it proved to be pretty fruitful for you. Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised that everybody I felt like everybody was on Tampa and I um, I was on the Rams and the Rams team total over. I, I thought a couple of things. One, you know, I was a big Tampa fan before the season last year. I some of their futures. I was you know backing them a lot during the season. But you know, people forget before they got to the playoffs, you know, this was a five seed. This was if you look at football outsiders variance metric, they were dead last, meaning they were the most uh, volatile team from week to week in terms of their performance. I mean, they lost 38 to three, you know, in prime time against the Saints. They they lost to uh, to the Bears, should have lost to the Giants like they were up and down. Now they picked things up at the end, but they should. have. I mean, if Jared Cook doesn't fumble the ball in that round two game against the Saints up seven in the third quarter, you know, on their way to, to go up 10 or 14 points like they may not have even made the. NFC title game. So I think our kind of bias um, headed into the season based on that, um, you know, from a from a, a better's perspective was a little bit, a little bit over the top. And look, they started the year. They should have lost to Dallas. I mean, they gave up a ton of points. Obviously, Dallas is a really good offense, but they couldn't stop them. Matt Ryan had that uh, that Atlanta team down three in the fourth quarter with the ball, you know, in Tampa. And they had two back to back pick sixes to make the, the score bigger than it should have been. So, I mean, I think they were a little bit uh, overrated from that perspective. And, I, you know, again, knowing New England was, was on tap, 
And I just thought that this was kind of, you know, the Rams Super Bowl. Like this was McVay saying, like, I got my new toy in Matt Stafford. I'm going to unleash him. I'm going to give you my best stuff and kind of show the world. This is why I, I traded for him. Uh, and I just thought that there was holes in that uh, Tampa secondary that they could exploit. So I, I thought they would be able to score. I didn't think they would win by double digits, but I, I thought they would be able to score. And, um, you know, I think the fact that you don't have Antonio Brown when you're Tampa and now you have a Jalen Ramsey who can blanket one receiver at all times. You're, you're essentially down to Gronk and then, you know, another receiver like that's all you got. So you limit his weapons, you know, uh, for Tom Brady. So that that is kind of my handicap going into it. And. You know, it wasn't like they completely dominated that game. They, they just had a couple of really big explosive plays with Deshaun Jackson, especially um, that really changed things. And, and Tampa didn't. And so you make a couple of those big plays and you know that was the difference in the game. But I don't think this really should change. I think Tampa should still be the, the favorite in the NFC. It's just, you know, I think that gap just closed this week. Yeah, I don't think they uh, that I did happen to notice that they I don't think they are the favorite anymore. I think the Rams uh, are uh, officially favored. Uh, in the betting circles for the futures. But uh, we, we brought this up uh, 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 several times. Uh, Tampa had this monster playoff run where they were plus 10 in turnovers and their their 69% pass defense uh, all of a sudden was in the 50s. So uh, they're back to earth. I, I think uh, you have to pay attention a little bit to Tampa Bay. They're not quite as good as we think they are. They're still a great team, but they're not they're not what we saw in the playoffs last year. And you got to remember, I mean, I, the Rams were the best defense that they have faced in a long time. I mean, they, besides that Saints game, Saints were a top five defense going into that, that playoff game. They allowed Brady to only throw for 199 yards. Like they, it was like four and a half yards per play. Like they didn't really do much in that game to win. Ever since then, they've played a bunch of, you know, uh, poor defenses. You know, Green Bay was like 17th or 18th. If you look at a lot of the defensive metrics last year, Kansas City is like in the 20s. Obviously, Dallas this year and Atlanta. So they faced a ton of cupcakes on the defensive side. So this was their first real test. And then you add in the fact that Antonio Brown wasn't in the lineup. I think all of that kind of brought them back down to earth a little bit. But they'll be fine like that. I'm not worried about yeah. them. So uh, but it was just it was a really fun game to watch. And, uh, you know, um, it'll be interesting going forward to see kind of how they bounce back. Yeah, and I think that's a big part, see, something you touched on, a big part of why I was so impressed by what I saw from the Rams, because I thought that this test could finally be when we started to see some regression from their defense with a lot of turnover, both on the roster and on the coaching side of things uh, from last year's elite defense. And certainly the Rams did not show any of that regression. I was just so impressed to put a button on this, not only with what everything the Rams did right, but the things they didn't do wrong that so often can have a team leading, you know, a team like the Chiefs, the way the Chargers brought them back into that game, or when the Bucks are trailing, they have a way to get back into things. The way the Rams just stayed so clean, it felt like once they built a big lead, Tampa Bay never made that run that we were all waiting for. And that perhaps is the biggest bright spot I saw out of the Rams this past Sunday. On that note, I think we can move on to some teams heading in the other direction. And Chris, we'll start with you because we talked about the Bills being on the rise, but their opponent from last weekend might be undergoing a bit of a demise right now. Well, you know what? I, I gotta make a. I gotta make a. Uh, I gotta make an audible here because um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna change it up. Uh, you know, if it if it upsets the producers, it ups, upsets the producers because. Uh, examining my metrics, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm not gonna make Washington my big drop team. They were very disappointing mm. last week, and uh, I bet them last week. And 
when you really think about it, I'll throw in a different team, and that's Seattle. And I expected Seattle to come back a lot stronger than they did. And it seems apparent that their defense is severely flawed because how can I really say Washington is down another notch when I said it's possible they could go one and 11 in divisional previews. So, uh, but everybody expected Seattle to be better than they are. And they weren't in the game last week and they needed to be in that game and they're sitting in last place right now. So, uh, and the prospects, in my opinion, don't look good for them to win this week either. So I'm going to I'm going to switch it up on Seattle. And I'm sorry to the graphics guys. <laughs> I think you've had some big uh, metrics coming in fast and furious throughout the day. So if we're getting up to the minute thoughts from you, then I think that adds a lot of value to the show. And T.A., I wanted to um, toss it to you for the, the team that you have on the uh, decline right now, because Similar to, you know, Chris mentioned being low on Washington before the season. He didn't feel like he needs to drop them another notch. I remember talking to you about the Colts in a conversation we had back in July, and you were especially down on them at that time. So it must be looking really dicey in Indy if you're doubling down on that notion. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll just follow up real quick with Chris, because I actually had Washington as one of my followers when I was asked this too, and then I dug into numbers, and I'm, I would call an audible too. You know what's crazy about them? They are dead last both offensively and defensively in third downs over expected, meaning they are just, and that is pretty kind of like, and not luck based, but you, you typically will see that regress to the, to the mean, like they're, they are not producing on third downs on either side of the ball. So I will say that there's a little bit of, um, you know, I think they can bounce back from that a little bit. We'll see going forward, but in terms of my team Colts, yeah, I was, I was under there. 10 and a half win total and 10 win total. Every time it got knocked down a notch, I kept going uh, more to the under and I took them to miss the playoffs. I, I was not a believer in Carson Wentz before the year. And this, you know, his start has not really helped things. He just holds onto the ball too long, makes his offensive line look even worse. But, you know, I thought the two things that really were the calling card for the Colts this year that they could rely on was offensive line and the run game. And then, uh, you know, their defense being physical. And those things have not held up. I mean, their offensive line has been hurt. Braden Smith on the right side. Uh, he missed the last game. Quentin Nelson's been in and out of the lineup. I mean, that's obviously huge. And if, you know, you don't believe in Carson Wentz like I do, you at least thought that they could run the ball. And they're, they're not able to do that. And the other side of the ball, I mean, they're getting pushed around on defense. I mean, they're 27th in adjusted line yards. Um, so they're, they're, let, they're letting big holes open up uh, for opposing run games. And they're just not stopping anybody. I mean, they're 29th uh, in, in pass defensive efficiency, so they're not doing anything well. Um, it's, it's amazing that they even kept that game close a couple of weeks ago against the Rams, but this is a make-or-break game against Miami this week. Two teams that are kind of going the wrong way. Um, and the fact that, you know, Indianapolis is going to owe the Eagles a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps. Look, if they, they go 0-4 and, and really start heading uh, in a downward spiral, like, why would they keep playing them? They're going to bench them. Not only is he is he banged up, but they don't want to give up a first round pick. So I think you're going to start seeing some of that and some locker room issues potentially um, if if they lose this game. But I, I just I am not a fan of this team. I love the organization. Like I'm I'm actually kind of it stinks that I'm uh, so anti Colts this year because I I love Chris Ballard. I think he does a great job. But just the way they built this this team this year. Uh, giving so much up for a guy like Wentz, not really doing anything on the left side of that line, you know, really relying on you know, Eric Fisher off an Achilles injury. Like I, it just wasn't, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money in free agency. They have like the most cap space in the NFL. And so 
you know, I just wasn't sure that they built this thing the right way. So I'm sure they'll bounce back, but um, so far I'm, I've not been impressed. So they are definitely one of the bottom 10, 12 teams, I think, in my eyes this year. Yeah, I was, I was, I think I mentioned on Friday's show that I expected Wentz to sit out and uh, they, they were going to bring the other two quarterbacks in, which I thought, I, I just don't understand it. You know, New Orleans did it with Breeze in the playoffs. Why do you put crippled quarterbacks there? I mean, it, it, you know, you've got to be able to plant your feet. You've got to have a little bit of mobility. You can't be stressed out that you're going to hurt yourself more. You, you know, I'd rather have two healthy quarterbacks that you could throw in there uh, than watch, you know, some guy that's just really hurting, try to, you know, be distracted mentally about the pain that he's going through. And it, 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 it was just disappointing. I thought they would have fared better with even a subpar healthy quarterback. And what's even crazy about last week losing to the Titans, they actually won the turnover battle three to nothing. I know. I mean, how often do you, and they couldn't even cover. That tells you how badly they were out. It's just, it's a mess in Indianapolis. So, yep. Yeah, well, you touched on being generally impressed by how the Colts are run as an organization, just maybe a down year for them and a a questionable quarterback acquisition, perhaps. My team that I have following is not an organization that I think a lot of people have felt good about for a while now from the top down, and that would be the Chicago Bears. And I know after what we just saw, it's kind of shooting fish in a barrel, but I couldn't help myself. When I looked at their box score, I thought there was a bug somewhere in there because I saw one net yard passing and I really had to do a double take to figure out that they really had you know 68 yards passing and 67 of those yards subtracted because of nine sacks uh nine sacks just sounded preposterous 1.1 yards per play only six first downs and when you get that level of offensive ineptitude the defense pays the price the Bears defense was on the field for 40 minutes in Cleveland and they took about 80 snaps in the game And I feel like that could cause, you know, possible fatigue and other issues for the team moving forward. So overall, I I said last week, we should probably give it some time with Fields. And apparently we're going to need to give it more time than I would have thought, not just because of his supporting cast or where he is right now on his developmental curve, but the coaching staff just seems like more of a mess than even I imagined before this past week. Now it seems like they're non-committal on the starting quarterback. Starting quarterback, there's a good tongue twister for you. Moving forward, uh, yeah, I can't help myself, guys. I'm just even more bearish on the Bears than I could have imagined prior to this past Sunday showing. How about this? Uh, Justin Fields, we know, you know, people want to make excuses that he was just, you know, offensive line issues. And look, I'm an Ohio State guy, so I love Justin Fields, but he was horrible. I watched that entire game. On dropbacks when he was not pressured, okay? So clean pocket. He was 4 of 13 for 48 yards. Like, what? uh, those are the... I mean, those are the simple, you know, pocket, like clean pocket where there's there's no chaos around you. He should be able to make those throws, and he couldn't do it. It was really bad all around, and I, I'm, you know, yeah, he could have been helped by by the offensive system and the players around him, but man, that there was it was really bad. It was as bad as you could possibly imagine from a from a rookie uh, debut, but it, it was horrible. <laughs> so I yeah, I don't, I don't think you throw I don't think you throw them back there. I think you uh, there's just too much pressure to play these young quarterbacks so rapidly. Uh, you know, you can ruin somebody's confidence or you can get the guy hurt. You you have Fultz in there that can step in there uh, if Dalton is unable to go. It, I know it looks ridiculous, but they I, they should have never put fields in there anyway, but they had to to placate the fans. So uh, this is what you get. Yeah, well, I think that pretty much sums it up for our teams on the rise or our teams that are falling this week. 
and we can take a moment now to get into some week four lines we're going to keep an eye on. And Chris, before we talk any specific games, I know that you have uh, some new metrics out today that you kind of touched on earlier and some thoughts on strength of schedule moving forward. Yeah, just, uh, you know, getting back to Tampa Bay, they've got the third easiest schedule remaining, according to uh, this strength of schedule remaining list that I'm looking at. And uh, Buffalo, we talked about, they've got the easiest schedule in the league. So uh, things are looking up for them. Uh, And uh, other top five teams, Miami, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. So maybe Jacksonville can make a run. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the hardest schedule is left. Uh, you know, it's a good thing they got out in front of everybody because the New York Giants had the hardest schedule uh, 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 left. So, uh, boy, it, when it rains, it pours for teams sometimes. And then Washington, second hardest. Uh, I see 1-11 coming. Uh, but uh, uh, then we've got uh, Denver. We knew they were going to uh, have some toughing up on the schedule. And Pittsburgh and Arizona round out the, t- the bottom five of the toughest schedules. Yeah, that's kind of the scary thing with the Steelers. It sounded like even with some season-long, you know, pessimism around them, their, you know, on-ramp looked pretty smooth. And to be where they are right now, knowing what's ahead, uh, it might get worse before it gets better in the Steel City. Yeah, yeah. Chris, I know you also had a thought when it comes to a game taking place on Sunday in Foxborough. Everybody is really excited to see what happens when Rob Gronkowski returns to his stomping grounds in New England, of course. Uh, I heard the Bucs have a quarterback making a triumphant return as well. Um, you, you noted this game's kind of like hanging out with divorced parents, so maybe not a lot to say on it uh, uh, today, but everybody's going to be hearing about it all week, and we'll have plenty to say on our Friday show. But um, any any initial read when we see the Bucs at BetUS, that number's actually at a full touchdown right now. You've got to lay minus 120 to take the points with New England, um, but but that line looks like it might be getting pretty enticing, so it could be interesting to watch over the course of the week. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this line ends up. Um, it, it it seems like a lot of points, but uh, uh, New England had a key loss last week, and uh, that's going to affect uh, uh, their offense. What and we and their offense sputtered badly last week. So uh, I need to really dig deep into this game and uh, really take a closer look at it. Uh, but boy, is that going to be a fun game to watch? Uh, like you like mentioned, it's like uh, hanging out with divorced parents. Uh, there's going to be a lot of sideline storylines that they're going to exploit. Well, I'll say this: a couple things to look for. I don't have a side on this yet, but um, one, and this is not just in New England. This is all throughout the league. Uh, pay attention to the weather. I just looked today. There's a lot of rain out there uh, expected for Sunday. So, um, you know, that could maybe lead to some unders and whatnot. But um, so that's one thing to, to, to pay attention to is the weather. But, um, you know, it's funny with this line going to seven. I mean, you don't think Tom Brady's going to run up the score if he has a shot to against Bill Belichick. Like that actually, I think, matters here. Like there's not going to be sitting on the ball. Like I think if he has a chance to, to lay it lay it on him, I think he will. Um, you know, so so that's an interesting aspect. I think one uh, area of concern for New England. I know we're going to talk about this later, Matt, but um, the right side of the line, Trent Brown, the right tackle, um, he missed last last week. Their backups, Justin Heron, and there's another guy, I forgot his name. They were awful last week. I mean, terrible. And that was a reason why I took the Saints. I thought that their aggressive pass rush against our rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, really, if you look at his uh, splits versus pressure and without he was like bottom five in the league going into last week. And I thought when that right side of the line, if they were going to, you know, give up a ton of ton of pressure, 
he was going to really struggle, which he did. I mean, he, the, the, the backup allowed six pressures on like 53 dropbacks, which is, you know, tremendous percentage. I mean, over 10%, which is huge. Like you don't, well, once you start getting in that seven, eight, 9% range, like that's a lot. So once you get to double digits, it's even, even worse. So um, I would keep it, pay attention to that because you do not want to have that right side exposed against a, a pretty good Tampa pass rush. So those are a couple of things that I'm looking at, but I have no, you know, you know uh, dog in the fire right now, but it should be fine. I mean, obviously we're going to hear about it nonstop until, you know, from now till Sunday. So um, it's going to be probably the most hyped game we'll, we'll hear about for a while. Yeah. And I guess going from one of perhaps the most intriguing games of the week with no play for UTA to one of the least intriguing games of the week, perhaps in the eyes of most, but you do have a bet when it comes to the Titans traveling to New York to take on the Jets at BetUS. The line is currently the Titans laying nine at plus 100. A lot of the market currently painted around seven and a half right now. What are you looking for when the Titans take on the Jets? I mean, this is a hold your nose special. And I'm sure Chris knows all about these. Uh, you hate to do it, but, you know, there are times you just have to back like these ugly underdogs. And, you know, I'll say I've avoided them all year. I haven't taken the Lions or the Texans or the Jags or the Jets yet. So this would be the first time I'm kind of stepping in those waters. But I think this is this is the time. And, you know, I don't, I'm not a, a guy who blindly plays trends or angles, but there is one trend that I look at and I, I, I really pay attention to. And it's it's teams off of a shutout loss. It's it's going if you go back to 1992. OK, and you can use whatever subset you want. I mean, there's. Uh, an angle out there that if you just look at teams off a shutout loss, um, they're playing non-division games. So there's no sort of motivation, you know, concern, non-division games and you're an underdog of at least three points. So it's, it's, you're, you're clearly not the better team, at least from the market perspective, those underdogs are 49 and 13 against the spread. You're talking about close to 80% cover rate. If you just said, okay, I don't care about these caveats. Like just, you know, those things don't matter to me. It's data mining. Fine. Well, since 2015, 21 and six against the spread, all teams off of a shutout, okay? It doesn't matter what, who they're playing, when or what. If you wanna look at, uh, you know, teams that are underdogs, home underdogs in next week off a shutout loss since 2010, 13 and three against the spread. It's like, no matter what angle you wanna look at, and it makes sense, right? And again, I only look at angles or trends like that if you can really build a story around it. And here, you know, a team looks bad like that. Nobody in the market wants to back that team. You know, I think that they get dinged maybe an extra point just based upon how bad they look. And then from the opponent perspective, you're not taking that team seriously, right? Like, oh, that team just just got blown out, just got shut out. Like, all right, we can kind of lollygag. Like, so there's a motivation uh, issue there. The team that got shut out is, is going to do everything they can. They're going to be focused that week because they don't want want that to happen. So I think those things play into it. And then I think on the field, um, you know, the, the Jets have faced a tough schedule. Look, they've faced uh, New England, Carolina, Denver. That's three of the top eight teams defensively uh, in the NFL. The Titans are 26. We know that they're a sieve on defense. Um, so you're going to get a little bit of a break if you're Zach Wilson. You're at home. Um, you know, Corey Davis, he knows this Titans team defense well. So, like, you've got a lot of those factors. And, you know, defensively, the Jets aren't that bad. I mean, they're not great, but they're, they're kind of middle of the road. They're top 12 in, in run defense, which you need against the Derrick Henry team. So I think all those things, and Mike Vrabel, you know, he's a really good um, coach when he's an underdog, but as a as a favorite, he's under 500, 12 and 17 in his career. If it's non-division games, uh, where, again, motivation is less of a factor, he's 5 and 11 against the spread as a favorite. So, like, there's a lot of reasons, I think, for, for me to, to jump on the Jets here. As ugly as it is, they're 0-3 against the spread to start the year. And we know, I don't even have those numbers in front of me, but I know, like, teams that start off 0-3, 
typically do well, uh, you know, you know, week forward uh, going forward. So I think all those things for me, I jumped in at seven and a half. You know, if you can get nine, um, no, I'm not sure how much juice you have to lay there. Um, you know, I, I would consider anything in that range fine. I just wanted to get in and just in case it went down to seven because that's obviously a key number. But, you know, that's the one play I made this week. And it's, you know, it's going to be ugly. It's going to hold, you know, you want to hold your breath. But um, you got to, they're not going to go 0 and 16 or 0 and 17 against the spread this year, the Jets. So maybe this is the first one that they pick up. Yeah, to, you know, to your point, I think uh, the vast majority of trends and angles are just complete horse manure. And and realistically, they're just going to teeter-totter back and forth in the long run. And once they become really visible, the bookmakers know the same stuff and they make the adjustments and it's baked into the lines. And this trend, which you're talking about, you know, several of the trends, which is the 0-3 uh, and uh, the coming off the shutout, I think that's real actionable stuff you know you have to find a reason not to go with it you know more so than uh going along with it and then you, you mentioning their defense somehow i have them rated number 11 in defense and they've, they play tough teams so uh you know there is more to that team than people realize even though they're coming off a shutout no one three and the yeah, thing no. is like you know they lost by five in carolina they, they, i mean they they held their own in Carolina on the road. I mean that's that's tougher I think than Tennessee at home. If I if you did kind of a market analysis, so it's not like out of the realm of of possibility that they could cover seven and a half. I mean I don't know if they'll win, but like their defense is good enough, you know, to to kind of keep them in the game. And if they can make a few plays against a bad defense like Tennessee, like I, I think they got a real shot here. You might have talked me into it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, similar to you because it's it got to be dogger pass for me. And I'll add that the Jets would have been, you know, my next team on the rise for our previous segment if we didn't have the Rams to get into. And I know it might sound ridiculous to say the Jets could be on the rise, but their first three weeks, T.A. building on something you mentioned, they faced, I think, the toughest slate of opposing defenses to start the season and the Panthers, the Patriots and the Broncos. I mean, that was basically a recipe for disaster from the start. And I came across a stat earlier this week that Zach Wilson has taken almost two-thirds of his dropbacks with less than a 10% probability to win the game. And, of course, Wilson's been part of the problem, but he's been done no favors so far. I think the next three weeks, starting with this matchup with the Titans, the Jets could be in for a bit of a respite. After the Titans this week, they get the Falcons defense, and then they're by. So it can really only go up from here with the Jets. I think we should see some significant improvement in the not-too-distant future. And if we don't, then I think it's time to really start worrying about Wilson. But for now, I'm willing to cut him and the Jets a little bit of slack. Totally agree. Chris, there's another game I want to get to with you, uh, talking about the Panthers who the Jets played in Week 1, and that would be the Cowboys laying five hosting the Panthers this week. And it looks like a game that, as much as you preach hurry up and wait, you might be really eager to get in play on it before too long here. Well, it, it, it is a very interesting uh, game. You know, this line was sitting at four last night, and I remember saying to myself, and I missed it, but, you know, they take the games off the board uh, when the teams play on Monday nights. And, and I went in there early first quarter uh, trying to find a place to bet Dallas minus four, and I couldn't find one. And I'm like, oh, brother. So they come on national TV and they they just knock the socks off of the Eagles. And somehow we're back to, you know, you know I, I listened to people this morning that thought uh, that they'd be lucky to get this game at less than a touchdown. But here we're looking at four and a half, five. What's up with that? So a lot to dig into uh, uh, between now and Friday 
uh, on this game because something just doesn't smell right with this. I will say the one thing to keep an eye on, um, and this is a theme that Carolina is going to have a lot this year. Uh, it's why it was one of my favorite overs, and I have been the, to make the playoffs along with Denver. Me and Matt, we talked about that. Um, they are going to have a huge rest advantage in this game. They're coming off a Thursday night game. Dallas off of a Monday night game. That's, I mean, that's pretty pretty big. You don't see that often. It really is. <laughs> it, it is unfair. I, you know, again, nothing blind on any of these trends, but uh, I think I saw um, a team in this situation in the last 30 years. It's only happened 43 times. Okay, so it's like you're talking about once a year, 19 and 24 against the spread, 44%. Again, not a huge sample, but just just in, just to have that out there, there might be a little resistance in the market just because of that rest uh, issue. But again, I, I don't have a, a dog in this fight. I think the injuries with Carolina, especially in that secondary, is going to be a major problem. Um, and, you know, obviously no Christian McCaffrey. This isn't the same Carolina team without him. So, um, but that that would be my only kind of, okay, let's just make sure we're okay with that. <laughs> make sure if Dallas is okay from a health perspective, then I think you'd be okay. Like, I don't think it's as much of an issue, but, um, and it sounds like they were okay. They, they didn't get banged up, but that's the only kind of pushback I would have is is maybe that's why the market is is kind of holding steady is because of that uh, rest issue. But that that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I mean, you touched on the rest factor. I think that's real. And also the Panthers earlier today trading for C.J. Henderson to help augment the loss of J.C. Horn. So we'll see what kind of impact that makes. Still looking uh, presumably at a bit of a drop off there. And the last thing I have to add here is uh, kind of the antithesis to the Jets' brutal start. I think the Panthers have looked really impressive early, but they've gotten a very friendly draw from the schedule. And the Cowboys mark a pretty big step up in class. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see just how much improvement Sam Darnold has made in the post-Adam Gase era come Sunday in Dallas. Chris, there's one more game I want to get to uh, and have you touch on. And if we can look at the odds for this week one more time with that full screen graphic for the YouTube audience, that would be the Ravens traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. And uh, the graphic says Denver minus one. I believe this game has very recently been bet down just moments before showtime to pick them shaded toward Baltimore. Um, so we thought the Ravens might be a pretty enticing teaser like this week. That ship has sailed. Um, and perhaps for good reason, because, again, talking about your metrics that are coming through this week, Denver, a metric nightmare so far. Yeah, Denver is going to be a, uh, a pain in my uh, side just because they're 3-0 and and they're, the teams they've faced are 0-9. So uh, it, it just it, it, it throws things out of whack. When I looked at this line, you know, my lying eyes told me, Okay, ship it in. Baltimore teasers with the world. Open up a hundred of them, and you know, you know, when I feel that way without without any sort of metrics uh, that I trust, uh, I'm usually wrong. So, and and sure enough, I, I come in and even accounting for for having to make some adjustments with Denver, I'm not jumping up and down about Baltimore anymore. But I did play some Baltimore teasers before the line moved. And I'm kind of glad it went down to zero, so I can't play anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I, I've got to do a, d a deep dive uh, and make some adjustments for the week, you know, schedule that Denver's had. And it's going to throw numbers off for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is crazily, as it sounds, he's like literally the best quarterback in the NFL the first few weeks. But again, their schedule has been easy. Um, Baltimore's pass defense has been surprisingly poor. 
some of its injury, you know, issues with Marcus Peters out. But I mean, you're talking about bottom 10 in, in pass defense efficiency and explosive pass rate. So they're giving up big plays. Um, you know, they obviously had the COVID issues last week. So that would be one, you know, just want to make sure that all those are, all those guys are going to be back. Especially that whole, the entire defensive line essentially was out last week. Um, Ronnie Stanley was out the left tackle. So they've got some injury issues, some COVID issues. Um, but and who knows? Like this, I have no idea if any of those guys had symptoms, right? Like what if they had symptoms? They got to go in mile high. Like you never know. Some things like that could pop up. Um, so those are kind of under the radar that no one's going to really talk about. But Denver, I agree. Like I, again, Matt, we, we, I love Denver as much as anybody could love a team prior to the season because of that schedule. And I knew that they had a good quarterback who's just going to be safe at the ball and a great defense. And so far it's played out that way. I mean, they've been better than I thought, but still this is kind of how I thought it would go. But Baltimore is the better overall team. Like there's no doubt about that. So I think they will end up being favored when it's all said and done. And, you know, Denver's got a couple of injuries themselves. KJ Hamler, you know, their explosive wide receivers out. They've got two guys in the interior that no one's going to talk about, but um, Glasgow and, uh, Risner and the inside, two good guards. Those guys are both very questionable. Uh, I almost I saw a, a beat reporter say they doubt they you know he doubts they're going to play this week. Two guys in the interior. That's not what you want against Ooh, Calais Campbell. Yeah. Those guys. So yeah, so I, I would lean Chris's way again. I haven't touched it, but I would definitely lean that way. And uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, if Denver can win this game, it's going to really open up some eyes um, because this is a tough tough matchup. But um, yeah, I, I think that the market's moving the right way. To be honest. You know what uh, really doesn't make any sense is Baltimore's this offensive juggernaut. They played Kansas City. They played Detroit. Uh, what was their third game they played? Uh, Raiders. Uh, Raiders. How the hell? I don't. I have them number 10 offensively. How can you play those three teams and only be number 10? Is I that mean, that's a, adjusted? that's a red flag. Well, it, it, not entirely, but... It, it, I, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. How can you be, if you play those three teams, how can you only be, with that team, how can you only be number 10 offensively? There's 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 some stuff that's not getting picked up with that team. Yeah, I don't know what their, I, I'd have to look, but I don't know what their turnover numbers look like. But, um, you know, Lamar Jackson fumbles a lot. He fumbles a lot. And, you know, that could be one issue. Um, but, yeah, they they did not look good against the Lions. Now, that was definitely a letdown spot. Again, you had the injuries. Uh, injury concerns there, but they did not look good against. Maybe I mean Detroit's probably the worst defense we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, and for them to, I mean, I had the over in that game. I lost that one. It was awful. They could not move the ball. Marquise Brown dropped three easy touchdowns. Yeah. So maybe that was some bad luck, but still, uh, yeah, I agree. They should have been better than they are. This is by far the best defense that they've faced so far. So uh, step up in class for Denver overall, but step up in defense for for the Ravens, no doubt. I mean, Lamar Jackson is going to face. A, a really good secondary. Um, so I think it's going to be, the, I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great matchup. So I, I think it's kind of a, um, you know, close game either way, but, um, but yeah, that, that the offense for the Ravens should be better. Their run game isn't as good as it has been in the past. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, losing some of the linemen and um, a little bit of a shakeup uh, with the running backs, but it's just not, hasn't been as efficient as they have been in the past. Yep. Yeah, well, I think that pretty much does it for the, some of the games we wanted to spotlight today. Of course, we'll do a deep dive on the full weekend slate on our Friday show. But, Chris, uh, let's pull up that graphic one more time showing the full slate for the week right now and run through your rapid-fire line prediction that we can all keep an eye on over the next few days. Yeah, if you're trying to figure out when to bet a game or not, uh, this is my best guess on on 
on what the lines will do. I think Cincinnati is pretty much where you're going to see it. Uh, I don't see too much variance on that. Uh, when we go to uh, Washington, Atlanta, I think Atlanta is starting uh, to become a little bit of a popular pick. Uh, a lot of the Washington falling out of favor. Uh, I don't think that line will get any higher. Uh, the Chicago line is as high as it's going to get. So uh, if you like Detroit, uh, you got to bet that now probably. Uh, Cleveland, I think that that one's going to go up. Tennessee, uh, I think that one is going to stay around right where it is. Dallas, I think, is going to go down to four, and, and it potentially could bounce back up. But I think you'll see a four in that game. Uh, New Orleans, I don't think the Giants are going to get any support. That should go up. Kansas City, uh, I think that that's – I'm surprised I see a 7.5 out there. So uh, I think it's pretty much going to sit there. Uh, I, I don't think it can hold 7.5, but I could be wrong. Uh, the Rams is going to come down. It's already been coming down. Uh, it, four, three and a half isn't going to surprise me uh, unless uh, the Arizona injuries are worse. San Francisco, I see that going up. If you like San Francisco, you see a two and a half, take it. Uh, and uh, we've got those injury concerns with Denver, so it's kind of hard to judge that one. But I think Baltimore is going to get a hell of a lot more support than Denver. And uh, Green Bay, seven. Uh, I think it's going to hit seven and bounce back down. And I think the same thing happens with Tampa Bay. And Monday night, I think uh, you'll probably see a three at some point. Yeah, well, there's a lot of good food for thought there for the audience over these next few days. And I've seen a couple questions come in the chat. We will get to a Q&A shortly. So Barry and Scott, thank you. Uh, I think Gordon also, we will get to your questions in a moment. Um, but first, this is normally the time where Scott Kellen would run through some noteworthy injuries that could also affect Lions over the next few days. And uh, TA, I'll go ahead and list some injuries and uh, and you can maybe clean up. We'll do our, our best job to also shed a proper light on uh, some potential impactful injuries for week four. And to start it off, of course, the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey and J.C. Horn from last Thursday night. The Colts, both sides of the ball in the trenches, Quentin Nelson and Quiddy Pay. The Titans lost A.J. Brown during last Sunday's game. The Jets, Sterling, or excuse me, the Giants, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. So some cluster injuries at wide receiver there. And we saw, we've already been seeing Kenny Galladay coming in and out of the lineup. On the other side of the ball, the Giants also lost linebacker and their defensive signal caller, Blake Martinez, to a torn ACL. The Saints left tackle Taron Armstead. The Patriots lost James White. Uh, for Cleveland, Greg Newsom. We've already mentioned Horn and Pay, and so it's basically been a rough go recently for defensive players drafted in the first round this past April. Looking at the Cardinals, they had cluster injuries to both of their starting guards on the offensive line, Justin Pugh and Justin Murray. For Denver, we've touched on it, KJ Hamler, torn ACL, and they're already without Jerry Judy, so that could be a blow for them at wide receiver. The Bucks, uh, Scotty Miller went down last Sunday and already being without AB and with Gronk getting banged up, that looms pretty large for them. And for the Niners, some of the players that guard some of these wide receivers, Josh Norman and Kwan Williams, cluster injuries to a secondary that was already shorthanded to begin with. And lastly, the Eagles last night, they took another hit in the trenches with their left guard getting carted off. Um, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but I believe it's Isaac Siomalo. So, yeah, um, uh, another pretty long list this week. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I hope I, I did it justice there, but he's a pretty impactful guy for them up front. So, T.A., I want to kick it over to you to see if you have any thoughts on anybody I may have missed or any injuries that you will specifically be keeping an eye on over the next few days. 
Well, you mentioned A.J. Brown. That was one part of the handicap as well for um, for the Jets. I mean, he, he's got a bad hamstring left after eight snaps last week. I mean, uh, I can't imagine they, they play him. Like, why would you risk a, a hamstring injury like that to a receiver in a game like the Jets? So I could see them sitting him. That would just only help my side of things for the Jets. Um, so that, that's one. Uh, I personally, like, I think one of the biggest inefficiencies in the betting market is offensive line injuries. No one pays attention to them but they can impact a game like severely if you've got, especially if you have a quarterback who maybe isn't as mobile or doesn't do well against, against pass rushes. So, um, you know, I'm looking at guys like Trent Brown. I mentioned the right side of the, the line for new England, Brandon shell, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Seattle looked so poor last week on offense was the right side of that line. Brandon shells, a top 20, top 25 uh, tackle uh, last year. If you look at PFF metrics, their backups are horrible. Jamarco Jones and uh, there's another guy I couldn't even remember. Uh, they're third and fourth stringers because their backup, like Bugwe, um, he's out for the season too. So, like they're down to the third, fourth string guys. Uh, so I would look at, at Brandon Shell to make sure that he plays if you're interested in that Seattle side or even you know potentially the Niners. Um, so those are a couple. And then I think defensively for the Steelers, like they are completely decimated. Everyone's talking about Big Ben and the offense, but that the I mean they lost T.J. Watt. They already lost um, Stefan to it before the season. Like they are really, really hurt. Uh, Alex Highsmith at defensive end, like they are really banged up. So I think, you know, you're talking about those lines, Chris, if, um, if TJ Watt is out again, like I could see that easily going to seven. He's such an impactful defensive player um, and he changes everything they do. So those are a couple that I'm looking at. Uh, you mentioned Greg Newsom for the Browns. Like he's been very good as a rookie opposite Denzel Ward. You're going up against, again, Chris's number one offense in the NFL uh, with the Vikings. Two great wide receivers. You need all the secondary help you can get. So I think that's a big one that I'm looking at. Uh, and I mentioned the Denver uh, interior of their line um, with a couple of those guards. So those are really the big ones that, that I'm focusing on. And, you know, Friday afternoon is really the big day where you get all that information uh, clarified. So, um, you know, that, that, that's, you know, those are a couple of the, the guys that, that I'm looking at in terms of key injuries. Got it. Yeah, well, last Friday, I mean, as we were recording, I saw Chris and Scott firing in some live bets during the show because I think the screen was lighting up like a Christmas tree. So uh, it might be happening again this coming Friday, and it could be due to news we get on guys that you've just touched on. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. And at this stage, I want to hop into a quick Q&A from the live chat. We have a few questions to get to here. Um, and the first one that came from Scott Doherty uh, asking how the cards match up this week. I know that's a pretty big NFC West showdown with the Rams. Uh, they also have that possible cluster injury spot up front along the offensive line. Uh, so do either of you have any thoughts one way or the other on how the Cardinals match up with the Rams? I think uh, uh, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be really fired up for this game and uh, they're going to bring whatever they can get. I think we saw that they they weren't focused last week. They're going to be focused this week, and uh, uh, I, I'm really concerned about the offensive line problem. You know the injuries that they had, but if they come in healthy, I think they're going to give the Rams some fits. I, I really do. So I think it's going to be a great game to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, again, no side yet for me, but um, I was surprised the line was six when I when it opened up. Uh, I think it's down to five now. I, that's probably the right move. And it's probably around the right number. Uh, definitely a letdown spot for the Rams. Like I said, I think they emptied everything out uh, of their holster last week against Tampa. Um, and I think it's gonna be a great game. But I, you know, if I were to take a side right now, it would definitely be Arizona. I would not lay it with the Rams. Kyler Murray does not get blown out. Like that is, 
I got to look back at my notes, but I think it's like one game in his entire career that he's lost by double digits. It's some ridiculous. It's kind of like a Russell Wilson effect where he keeps you in every game. They don't obviously always win these games, but they're always within, you know, seven to 10 points. So, you know, you've got kind of that uh, that floor with an Arizona team um, that can kind of keep you in it. So, um, the, you know, I think it's gonna be a great matchup. But, uh, but you know, if I had to pick a side right now, it would be Arizona, but I haven't touched it myself yet. I'm surprised the line is holding over four. I, it, it, there's no way it holds, in my opinion. I, I think we, we could see three and a half. Oh, you think it goes that low? I think so, but we'll, we'll <laughs> see. I mean, it's a little bit injury dependent, of course, but, right. you know, assuming everything's all systems go for Arizona, this line's way too high. Yeah, well, from one team that can score in a hurry to another, we also have a question from Gordon Watson in the chat asking, uh, what everyone thinks of the Chiefs laying three and a half in the first half at the Eagles. So I know that full game line um, has, has gone up a bit since the Eagles laid an egg last night. Um, but if you guys had access to, let's say, a flat three and a half for Kansas City in the first half, um, any thoughts on isolating that play relative to the full game number? I don't do first half, so I don't want to uh, speculate on it and, uh, and, and give an opinion that's not well thought out. I'd rather just say I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's you would think after back to back losses, the Chiefs would be fired up. Um, and what I mean, I can understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, the Eagles can run the ball on this. I mean, the Chiefs are horrible. They're the worst run defense in the NFL. And the one thing the Eagles can do is run the ball. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't do more of it yesterday. But, you know, coming off a Monday night game on the road, that's a tough turnaround against a team that's going to be you know really fired up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs, the one thing that they have a history of doing is letting teams back in and covering late, have, even though they're on this, you know, bad losing streak uh, in terms of uh, ATS. You know, they were up a lot uh, last year. It just so happened they just let these teams kind of, you know, the Saints and I think yeah. Miami let them back in at the end. So if you're going to take the Chiefs, I would take the first half versus taking the game just because of that. I just don't like betting situations where somebody doesn't have to win at all you know what i mean no nobody's trying to beat three and a half so that's what uh uh you know i'd prefer to have a flat three uh which makes all the difference in the world sometimes but that's just me yeah you don't know who's gonna yeah. win the opening toss right like unless you had an angle there of one team always deferring you're you might lose yeah. a full possession that's that's another factor too so if you know of any trend i don't know if andy reed typically takes the ball or defers like maybe that's an angle like, uh, you know, you would look at. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I agree with Chris. You got to remember that uh, Reed came out of the hospital. So there there could be some preparation issues involved there, too. Very true. Yeah. And on the flip side, I believe the Chiefs turned the ball over their first three possessions against the Chargers this past Sunday. So if they can clean that up, they might be in a position to get off to a quicker start. Um, yeah. So, Gordon, I hope this has been some good food for thought and no major conviction one way or the other. Uh, but you can't fault the notion. So mm -hmm. at this point, guys, I think we can get into, uh, Chris, another thriller on tap for Thursday night, the Jags at the Bengals. In fact, uh, the last question we got in the chat was asking about the Thursday night game. Uh, Scott asking about the Jags' chances of covering on Thursday. And we'll touch on that as we break this game down. Currently, the Bengals laying seven and a half. It's a slightly reduced VIG. Total sitting at BetUS at 46. Uh, and Chris, it sounds like uh, you might be uh, less enthused about this one, but we've seen some pretty good Thursday night games and, and primetime games in general to start the season. So what's your angle for this one? 
Well, yeah, I shouldn't complain. We, we had a nice winter last week, but uh, I'd rather attend my abolish the Thursday night football game activist group and uh, really be proactive on that. I, I just really hate these Thursday games. They, they're they just so slanted for the home teams usually. Uh, forget about last week, though. Uh, but uh, it's... I, I, the only thing that I can do in this game is is, is tease Cincinnati, uh, and uh, th that's that's all I can say. I, I expect Jacksonville to show up and and try, and uh, those points are really important in a game like this. But I think Cincinnati can come away with the win, and and that's all I have to say about it. I'm, I'm I just don't I'm not going to put any more effort into the game, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean there's. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump What's in that? really quick. TA, I have one quick follow-up for Chris. Just because you mentioned the pick, being a teaser with the Bengals, uh, we'll get to all the, again, all the weekend games on Friday show, but just a quick word on who you'd be tearing the Bengals with to round out the two-team teaser. Uh, uh, well, I, I did uh, that with Baltimore originally, but uh, I also like it with the Saints. I, I think the Saints come away with a win here. The The Giants are falling apart uh, before our eyes, and uh, – uh, if the Saints can't get away with a win at home in this situation, even though I know it's a coming home from a long road trip, uh, then I, I don't know what to say. They, they're just far and away the better team. And, uh, you know, thinking about it, they're, they're going to have to send that line up to nine, nine and a half just on the teaser protections across the board because uh, they're going to get hammered with Saints teasers. Yeah, T.A., what do you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, again, no bet yet for me. Uh, just a couple of notes. Rookie head coaches typically perform very poorly on Thursday nights, 6-15 and 15 in the last uh, six years on Thursday nights. We saw Houston last week. Uh, we couldn't cover. I personally couldn't. I mean, I cannot with good faith lay seven or more with a Cincinnati Bengals team. Like, this is a team that was, what, lined at six, five and a half before the season in terms of preseason win totals. Like, I'll never lay seven uh, with a team like that. I just can't trust them. Um, and I know you guys like the teases with them. I, again, I need to trust the team that I'm backing. And I just can't do it with a mediocre to below average team like Cincinnati. It's just not something I personally like to do. Um, so I won't be doing that either. Look, this is the Bengals have run the ball at the highest rate in the NFL on early downs. They are running the football a lot. This is to, to protect Joe Burrow with that uh, offensive line issue. The pace is very slow. So, um, you know, it's a lot makes it a lot harder to cover over a touchdown that way uh, when you're running so much. But the Jags D is so bad. I mean, they have allowed over 23 points. They have at least 23 points in 18 straight games dating back um, over a year. Like, that's incredible figure. So, I can't take the under because that's what I was looking at originally, but just based on that alone, I can't do it. Two key in, uh, offensive line injuries to Jacksonville, um, uh, Andrew Norwell and Cam Robinson, they're two best offensive linemen, so I would keep an eye on that. Both are questionable. Um, if they both play, I actually might take the Jags here at seven, seven and a half. Um, if one or both are out, then I'm just not touching it either way. But to me, it's Jags or pass. Um, and I won't even, I think it's either blowout or Jags actually might win <laughs> crazy enough. But, um, again, I, I, that's, that's the best opinion I have it, and it's not enough. I haven't made any play yet. So I, I think Cincinnati is, is at least an average team when they're fully healthy. Uh, you know, their defense, take a look, take a closer look at their defense. They're, they're right up near the top of their defense so far. And when they're healthy, 
they can do some damage. So it's just a matter of keeping, you know, all the pieces together for them. And, you know, if Jacksonville is banged up even more than they have been, you know, that's, that's going to make it even harder on them. Yeah, I'll just jump in and say that uh, I hear you, TA, on wanting to trust the team you're teasing. And so this uh, not my biggest bet by any stretch. Uh, but I do see enough value to go ahead and, and get aligned with Chris here and tease the Bengals, mainly as a number grab to get down through those key numbers of seven and three, looking at the better team at home to do a little more than win outright. And as you touched on, TA, we've got Urban Meyer, a rookie head coach, plus a rookie quarterback on Thursday night. And with the Jags on the road, it's an even more compressed prep week for them. And in the second leg, I'll, I'll make it the Saints minus one and a half as well. I mean, um, again, Friday we'll have more on the Giants-Saints game. Uh, but similar to the Bengals' train of thought, um, taking the you know the numbers grab, getting down through seven and three with the better team at home, just needing to do a touch more than win the game. I did make a move on the Bengals' season with Baltimore earlier, and I felt much better about that. Uh, so this will be a, a slightly reduced amount pairing the Bengals with the Saints. But to Chris's point, no surprise if the Saints don't last too long in teaser territory either. So I'll just go ahead and hope that Cincinnati can follow in the Panthers' footsteps last week and get the week off to a good start from a teaser standpoint. I think that covers our Thursday night breakdown, and we can uh, bring up a graphic just to recap our bets for the Thursday night game. Uh, my wife's last words for me before we came in to record this show. Make sure to recap the best bets after I prematurely signed us off last Friday. So here we go, everybody. Chris and I seeing eye to eye on this one, teasing the Bengals down to minus one and a half, pairing them with the Saints minus one and a half, and we heard YTA has, you know, some pretty good insight for this one. But as of now, it's a pass for him. And on that note, I think we can get ready to sign off here. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to the BetUS NFL show. For those of you watching us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And if you have any thoughts or questions, let us know in the comments of this video. If you're listening to this in podcast form, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Again, you can find Chris at Las Vegas Chris. You can find TA at Cleve TA, and you can find me at MLandis18. Last but not least, don't forget to use the promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% signup bonus. And that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back again with you live on Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, to break down the full weekend board. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.